Reporting for WCYB Digital Radio, I'm Hillary McClure with the Cyber Warfare Report. Joining us is former White House CIO Teresa Payton. Organizations in Australia, the U.S., and Singapore are among the top most likely to stall their digital transformation initiatives due to cyber warfare threats, which is above the global average of 55%, according to an article published in ZDNet. Teresa, why are these nations looking to stall transformations, and are they really protecting themselves by stalling those digital transformation initiatives? This is the conundrum of 2023. So as you see, you've got a war going on in Ukraine and Russia. You have global unrest all around the world. You've got economies that are slowing down pretty much all around the world. And you have cyber attacks definitely not abating. Now, I'm one part of the argument you typically talk about You want the newest technology because ostensibly the newer technology is going to be more modern. It's going to be more secure by design. It's going to account for all the new regulatory compliance efforts. And so a lot of times you talk about having a sunset policy for legacy systems because they're outdated. They're hard to keep patched with security and privacy patches. And now you see where these countries are saying, I think we're going to have to slow down transformation, slow down the sunset of legacy systems and applications because I'm worried about increasing cyber attacks and potentially they might be worried about decreasing budgets. So what's interesting about this conversation is why do they feel that way? Why do they feel like, you know what, if we slow down or halt our transformation efforts, we'll be safe? And I think, Hillary, we're looking at an instance of, you know, the devil you know versus the devil you don't. And so they know, warts and all, maybe these systems are not the ideal systems to be on. Maybe they have vulnerabilities because of their age, but they've been through years and years of risk assessments and years and years of red teaming and security engineering. So maybe you don't love it and it's not ideal but you know what your problems are and you know you've got your monitoring on things. So that might be the rationale. It's like declining budgets, the devil I know versus the one I don't. And we're just going to stay tight with what we know because we all know technology transformation efforts, although incredibly energizing and they can definitely move your cybersecurity maturity in a positive way, they do create disruption. And where do cyber criminals love to live? In our disruption. That's when they find that moment, that perfect moment to attack successfully, gain a toehold, and then create whatever their mayhem is that they've decided they're going to do. Why has the Indo-Pacific become such a target for cyber warfare, especially Australia? Teresa, what do criminals and nation states want from that area? Well, first of all, they believe it's a target-rich environment. Australia and Singapore have definitely been out in front on technology transformation efforts, especially in financial services, in healthcare, and in other areas. And when you're known for doing kind of these cutting edge technology projects and leading the way, you're also going to be leading the way in how cyber criminals target those technologies. And so cyber criminals see that as a target-rich environment to attack. You don't hear as much. So you often will hear, hey, 
this dark net was shut down by the FBI working with international law enforcement authorities. Or you may hear something else was shut down. You'll hear Department of Justice or Department of Homeland Security. You typically don't hear these operations investigations originating out of Australia and Singapore. So that's not to say they don't have fabulous resources there. They certainly do. But from a cyber criminal's perspective, they read the headlines too. They may have a perception that if I do my crimes here, not only is it cutting edge technology, I may have a better chance of not being detected, but they may have a perspective, incorrectly so, that if I target organizations here, their law enforcement's not as active as the U.S. law enforcement. Therefore, even if I get caught, maybe I'll never see inside a jail. It's hard to know sometimes with that mindset, but you could see where that narrative may play out for a lot of the cyber criminal syndicates. How do you see this cyber threat landscape evolving this year for these nations and, and beyond? You mentioned that you know this is the big conundrum of 2023. So what would you add to that? I found it, um, I actually found the numbers stunning, actually. And so let's walk through some of those, Hillary, because I do think that cybersecurity professionals everywhere should be thinking about, hey, is the organization I'm supporting, are they thinking this same way? So does that mean the plans that we have for 2023 and 2024 could be delayed? And what does that mean for my resources? And what does that mean for my capacity planning? So I just want to read some of these statistics from that poll. It's so incredibly helpful, right? And so you have 79% of Australian companies said that they were likely to halt their digital transformation initiatives because of cyber warfare threats. That is a big number. That's private sector. That's not Australian government saying, hold everything. You know, we're just going to slow down. These are companies. Now, interestingly enough, the United States said 67%. That's astounding to me that companies are saying, you know what? There's a lot of cyber threats. There's a lot going on. You know, I think we should slow everything down. Singapore came in at 63%, the UK at 57%, Denmark at 56%. Here's what I find so fascinating about this, Hillary. McKinsey Consulting in 2022 came out with a report that said in the two plus years that we were all dealing with the worst parts of COVID-19 and the pandemic, that companies on average accelerated their transformation roadmaps by seven years. So perhaps the executive teams at these companies are saying, look, we've already done enough. Cyber attacks are not abating. We had to get a lot of stuff pushed in in a very short period of time to make sure things were you know, agile, that people could work from home, that customers didn't suffer a degradation in service, that we actually had more services available online. So maybe some of the CEOs are saying enough is enough right now. I accelerated things on average by seven years. Why don't I just slow down for a moment? But this is a moment. Every cybersecurity professional should be paying attention to this study, should be paying attention to what these executives said and asking themselves, do I have the right skill sets, the right capacity plans, and the right planning to be where my executive teams are? And where your executive teams are is if you're looking at one out of two executives across two companies, more than one of them, you know, almost both of them are saying, we're going to slow things down. So that is really what I want people to take away from this research. 
And so has this activity impacted corporate policies related to ransomware payments? I believe I remember reading something about that in the article as well. Again, I think you've got two things coming together here. So you're going to stick with the systems you have for longer, at least for the majority of organizations. Everybody's seen the threat levels increasing. You have cyber liability insurance companies who are starting to drop policies. And then you've got organizations working on how do they get to a point where they don't have to pay if they are a victim. So 31% of the respondents in this research survey that had more than 500 employees said that their policy was never to pay. The smaller organizations said, 23% of them said, we have a policy of never paying. But I would like to see that number get a lot higher. We've known about ransomware, extortionware, destructionware for years. The fact that only 31% of respondents said their policy was never to pay is really astounding to me. You know, we saw with the shutdown of Hive recently, again, another international cooperation win for the good guys led by the Department of Justice and the FBI. The FBI said they infiltrated the Hive. They had the keys. All victims had to do was call the FBI and say, I'm a victim. And they would have quietly been given the key and not have to pay. And only 20% of victims actually reported it to the FBI. We have a lot of work to do here. So what I would say to everyone, again, cybersecurity professionals listening in, what I would like you to do is to talk to your leadership and say, how do we have a playbook that says under no circumstances do we ever pay and have a legitimate, detailed discussion about what is missing from your people process and technology to enable we will never pay. You don't want to pay criminals. You cannot take them at their word. So I've seen organizations say, we didn't pay for the keys. We paid so that they wouldn't dump our data. And I'm like, why would you trust them? So you have a criminal who breaks into your organization. That's against the law. You have a criminal who takes your data also against the law. You have a criminal who threatens to destroy your data also against the law. And then you're going to trust them not to dump your data. No. Have a playbook that says, what do we have to do that when they steal our data and they threaten to dump it, we say, do it. Because you know what? You don't have anything worth anything. How do you have a data strategy where if they steal it, it has so many layers of encryption that it's virtually unlockable for them? How do you create a situation where if they steal the data, it's tokenized or anonymized in storage so that when they steal it, they don't even know what it is that they have? That's the discussion that we need to be having. What are we missing? So that if they take our data and they threaten to extort us, we can say, knock yourself out. That's the place that we have to get to. And the fact that we're still at 31% have a policy of never paying is dismaying, but I always have hope and optimism that we can change that. Joining me was former White House CIO Teresa Payton. Reporting for WCYB Digital Radio, I'm Hillary McClure.